Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. I'm glad you're here today. We get to start a new sermon series in the book of Daniel. You know, God's Word, His inspired Word, it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. God has given us His Word. He's, he's given us His Word to grow us up, to mature us, to call us to be His people, His men and women. And so we have uh, a great opportunity as we begin the book of Daniel to, uh, to grow up, to mature, to be wise in our faith, to, to know God better, to know how to live in this world. It's a blessing, the Word of God. Lord God Almighty, we ask for your favor upon our church. We ask for your power upon our church. We ask for your grace upon our church again. Lord, that you would make us into the people that you want us to be. As we start this summer series on the book of Daniel, Lord God, we know that people will be coming and going and here and there, and even today, a lot of people traveling for Mother's Day. Lord God, we, uh, we turn it over to you. We ask that the, the, the word would bring, that you would give to people would, would be the appropriate for the day that they're there even. Lord, but uh, that, that as we open up your word, that you would shape us and mold us and make us into the men and women you want us to be. Teach us lessons of grace. Teach us lessons of faith. Teach us lessons of conviction and truth. Teach us, Lord, to stand with you no matter what. To be Daniels in our generation. Oh God, uh, bless the preacher today. Carry him with your words and your power and your grace for the sake of your people, for the sake of your glory and your fame and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Little Johnny was walking down the beach one beautiful day and he spied a matriarchal looking woman <laughs> under an umbrella sitting on the sand. He walked up to her and he said, Ma'am, I have a question for you. Are you a Christian? She said, Yes, I am. Uh, do you read your Bible regularly? Yes, I do. And do you pray often? Yes. Great. I got one more question for you. Will you hold my quarter while I go swim? <laughs> He was looking for somebody of conviction. He was looking for somebody he could trust. He was looking for somebody where he wouldn't lose his money. It seems I've been disappointed so often by the big names in our Christian culture. And I, I imagine you have too if you watch the news enough. How again and again, men and women who claim to be following Christ, seems like they give in on their convictions. Again and again, stumbling and falling, and we're all human, we're all prone to wander, we're all prone to sin, but where are the men and women who stand strong in their conviction? Where are the Christians in this culture? Where is the Christianity in this culture? that doesn't bow the knee, that doesn't give in, that stays true to the faith, that holds on to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that doesn't let go of God 
that doesn't give in to the cultural's uh, the culture's desire for us to walk away from Jesus. One of the big questions, one of the big teachings of Daniel is how do you stay true to God in a culture that doesn't want you to? How do you hold on to God and live in faith in a culture that's always calling you to leave Jesus, always calling you to compromise your faith, always calling you to be a worldly carnal Christian instead of being a man of God, a woman of God. How do we stand with Jesus Christ when the world is very happy that we don't? How are you standing today? Where are your convictions? Are you walking with Jesus or not today? Please open your Bibles to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. May God bless the reading of His Word. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Aphpenes, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family, of the nobility, youths without blemish, good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with all knowledge, understanding, and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among them was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. It was uh, 605. B.C., a mere, what, 2,626 years ago. The pharaoh of Egypt, Nico, he marched out. He left uh, Egypt and he marched all the way to the Euphrates River. There he met up with the remnants of an Assyrian army that had been devastated by the Babylonians. The Egyptians and the Assyrians stood together against Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the son of the king and the soon king of Babylon, routed Pharaoh and chased him all the way back to Egypt. It was a moment in 605, May of 605, going into June, B.C., 605, where the world was shifted. The superpower of the day was no longer Assyria. The regional power of the day was no longer Egypt. Now it was Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar was their greatest king. 
the empire began, the Neo-Babylon Empire began. And it wasn't good news for Israel. It wasn't good news for the people of Jerusalem or Judah. For the longest time, God had sent prophet after prophet to the people of Jerusalem, telling them that this would happen. They didn't believe it. They continued in their sin. They continued in their evil. They continued worshiping other gods. They continued their political alliances with Egypt. They continued their political alliances with Assyria even. <laughs> they continued their political alliance with anybody that would listen. But they did not depend on Yahweh. They did not depend on Adonai, the Lord their God. So there, there was prophet after prophet that was sent, repent, turn, leave, come back to the covenant, come back to God's word, come back to the relationship. But they would not listen. Even a hundred years before this time, Isaiah preached to the people of, of Judah and Jerusalem, and he said, man, you better repent. Trouble's on the way. There's a, an incident that I think is, is relevant here and practical to what we're talking about today in, in Isaiah. Isaiah 39. Please turn your Bibles to Isaiah 39. King Hezekiah was a great king. King Hezekiah, man, he saw God's power in his life. He was convicted. He was convinced. He was, he was passionate about serving God and walking with God until he wasn't. King Hezekiah, he saw God deliver the nation from the Assyrian army. It was an incredible moment when the angel came and wiped out the opposing army. And then King Hezekiah got sick, and he saw God heal his life. But then at the, at the right moment in his life, or the wrong moment in his life, he decided that he would not trust in God. That he would trust, rather, in the Babylonians. Isaiah 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach uh, Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly. He showed them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all of his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. What was he doing? He was saying, I will be your vassal. I, I, I will work with you to overthrow the Assyrians. Let's form a political alliance. And all this gold, all this treasure, all this could be yours if you just work with me. Then Isaiah, the prophet, came to King Hezekiah and said to him, where did, where, where did these men, what did they say? And from where... Did they come to you from? Hezekiah said, they came from, me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house that you and your fathers have stored up to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. There will be peace and security in my days. 
Ouch. What a punk. What a great man for so many decades. But at the end of his life, he's like, well, at least, at least I'm going to be comfortable. At least I'm going to be safe. He just sold the nation into slavery. So a hundred years later, Babylon does come knocking at the door after Nebuchadnezzar wipes out the Assyrian army and he sends Egypt packing. He comes to Judah and he sets up siege. He says, knock, knock, knock. Give me my stuff. And he came in and he took it. Just as God had said a hundred years before. Just as God said back in Leviticus. If you keep my covenant, if you walk with me, if you stay true to me, I'm going to bless you. If you, if you walk away from the covenant, you start worshiping other gods, you start trusting in other things, you start living for the world, the curses of the covenant are going to come upon you. Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy, 20, Deuteronomy 28. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, God said it through Moses that this would happen. And here comes the king of Babylon. Time's up. Give me my stuff. Which you promised my ancestors a hundred years ago. And he took it. And the worst part about it, he went into God's temple. He went into the temple of Yahweh. And from the Babylonian perspective, what was, what was happening there? The Babylonian gods, Nebuchadnezzar would say, are greater than Yahweh. They went into his house. They plundered his stuff. They took his stuff back to the plain of Shinar, to Babylon. And now it's in the temple of Bel, the temple of Marduk. Now those gods, the gods about the Nebo, the, the moon god, Eku the moon god, Nebo, the, the, the father of Marduk, they all have Yahweh's stuff. And it appears from a Jerusalemite's perspective that God has lost. It's a terrible moment in history. And it came because of sin. It came because of lack of conviction. It came because of a lack of allegiance to, to God. It came because of people sold themselves out to other gods. A people trusted in political alliances and political leaders instead of trusting in the Lord their God. And sovereign God called them on it. The sovereign King of Kings called them into His truth. It, 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 it was a tough time because look what happened. The cream of, cro of the crop, the best youth of Jerusalem, they were sold into slavery. They were taken to Babylon. And the plain of Shinar, you know what that is? That's where the Tower of Babel was. It's modern-day Iraq, southeast modern-day Iraq. So they left the holy city, the city of David, and they were taken to Babylon, which in the Bible has always had negative connotations from beginning to Revelation. Babylon has their sons. Babylon has their best. And now the king is calling for payment. Yeah, I've got your, va your, your, your vessels, your sacred cups, my God has them in, in the temple. And we'll see later in Daniel that one of the kings brings them out to enjoy them at a later point. But here he starts working on the, the sons, the nobility, the royalty. 
just as he promised Hezekiah way back when, he's going to take your sons. He's going to take all your stuff. And, and this, in 605, was the first wave. It says some of this stuff was taken. 597, uh, uh, more stuff was taken. And in 586 B.C., the last invasion of Babylon, all the stuff that was taken, everything that could be carried was, everything that wasn't was destroyed. It was all coming true. Hezekiah's, the prophecy to have it, through Isaiah to Hezekiah came true. And, and yet here, sadly, the king says, guess what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to make you into Babylonians. You have a choice. Enter my three-year training program where you learn my language, where you learn my culture, you learn my myths and my lore, you learn mathematics, you learn economics, uh, you, you learn uh, trade, you learn how to be my advisors, you learn how to be my counselors, you learn how to be my wise men for my service and my glory and for my God's glory. Think about these 14 or 15-year-old boys rapidly turning into men. Dan, Daniel, Meshach, or, you know, the, 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 the names. I, even now I get them confused. And that was the point. You have your Hebrew names, and every one of them means something. Every one of them is tied to God. But I'm going to give you Babylonian names where the Hebrew names meant something about God, the Hebrew God. Now all the Babylonian names they're given, they mean something about the Babylonian gods. Bel Shazer, the god, the Bel. Uh, Abu Nego, Nego the son of Mar the, 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 the parent of, of Marduk in their theology. Aku, the moon god. You're going to become mine. I own you and everything about you. And, and think about these young boys, these, these men. They're under great pressure to conform to the world. They're under great pressure to leave the God of their forefathers, to leave the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and to go with Nebuchadnezzar and say, yeah, I guess we can become great men here. I guess we can become great people in this place. And think about their circumstances. Their parents might be dead. They're 900 miles away from home and they're never going back. They're captives. They're slaves. If they say no, that means death or it means a worse form of slavery. But if they say yes, they've got the best of the palace. They've got the best food. They, they've got safety, the security. They, they, they have a, a respectable position. They have honor. They're, they're with the, the, the greatest king in the region uh, of the world at that time. They had everything they wanted. All they had to do was compromise. All they had to do was say yes to the world. All they had to do was assimilate and say, I guess this is where we are now, and this is how we will live. The world so badly wants you to compromise. The world around you, maybe it's family members, 
Maybe it's uh, work uh, co-workers. Maybe it's your employer. Maybe it's the institution you work for. Maybe it's the, uh, uh, the neighbors that you have. They're fine with you saying, I'm a Christian. But they really don't want you to take it seriously. They don't want you to live with conviction. They don't want you to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. They, they really, they're, they're fine if you say, yeah, I believe in God. They're, they're, nobody has a problem with that. They're fine if you say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a believer. But what really, really gets at them is when you start acting like it. How many institutions represented in this room, uh, when you go to work, you can't mention Jesus? Or you can't talk about Jesus? Or you can't compare faiths because that would cause you to be fired? Our culture today is, is, is steadfast. They're, they're unified in the sense that, man, everything's okay except followers of Jesus Christ. That's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. The world would love you to stop being a Christian. The world would love you to give up your conviction and just go with the flow. The world says to those boys in Babylon, just become Babylonians. Come on, we're all spiritual here. We all believe in God. Just go with our style and believe what we believe and act the way we act. It'll be okay. You'll have the best of everything. You'll be our friends. You can fit in with us. You can enjoy what we enjoy. We'll have good times at work. Just give up Yahweh. Give up your conviction. Give up your, your, give up your belief in God. Assimilate. The book of Daniel calls us to live differently. God's Word calls us to live as people who are walking with Jesus calls us to live as men and women of God who do not forget who we are. We do not forget that Jesus bought us. We do not forget the Gospel. We do not forget that Jesus is Lord. We keep serving Him no matter what. No matter who says what. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food, with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And let me just go back a little bit. One of the questions is, was, was, were these four boys made into eunuchs? The, uh, some of your translations where it says the chief eunuch, uh, the, the chief official, but it's literally eunuch. And so where, where it was Daniel and the boys, were they made genderless? You know, we're, uh, it's, it's one of the mysteries of time, but the Bible doesn't make a big deal about it. But you can imagine that the king wants them to be these courtesans, these court officials, these advisors, and whatever the culture of the day was, it seems like they were being shifted to being these kind of servants. We don't know. To go to Babylon is to suffer, however. To live in Babylon is to be brought into a world that is not of God's making or God's choosing. 
God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the use of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and our appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with you, your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. And stop right there. <clears throat> So Daniel says, at some point, imagine a 14 or 15-year-old. He just lost everything. He just lost his culture. He just lost his language. He just lost his name. He's lost everything that made him who he was. And out of his fortitude, somewhere within him, he says, I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to make a stand. How, how do you stand in a culture that wants to swallow you up? How, how do you stand in a culture that wants to take away everything that you are and everything that you have, that wants to make you <laughs> neutral? That wants to take away your distinctiveness, take away who you are. That wants to conform you, assimilate you into their consumer culture, into their desires and their dreams and their wants. Can't we all just get along? You crazy Christians, you're always a thumb in the pie a stick in the mud. You're always standing up for what we don't love or what we don't believe in. Stop it. And so Daniel, he has the courage. His name Bel Ashazer. <clears throat> Protect him Bel. The the god of Babylon, he knows that's not who he is. He's a Hebrew. He belongs to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so he has to come up with a line in his hand. He, he has to come up with a decision, a determination. He comes up with a resolution. He says, this far I will go, but no farther. This far I will, I will go, but no farther. Here, I'm going to stand on the word and I'm not moving. Here I'm standing with God and they can do whatever they want. But up to this point, I'm, I'm not going past it. And so he proposes a test. He says, no, I, I don't want the king's food. I, I don't want the king's wine. I mean, think about that. <laughs> I mean, I remember when my, my son was 14, he liked to eat. <laughs> right? So the best food in the land, the, the, the best wine in the land, it's all yours, Daniel. And Daniel says, no, I, I don't want to go there because I want to stay true to God. And we, we wonder what's happening here. And um, I, I think we need to recognize something about the God that the book of Daniel teaches us. Up in verse 2, it said, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Our God is sovereign. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is in control of this world. <clears throat> For many years when Daniel was a boy, he heard false prophets say, 
oh, don't listen to those true prophets of God. God would not let Babylon be taken. He would not let evil be done to God's people. He would not let God's people suffer wrath. That would never happen. And then it happened. God came in judgment. He used Babylon as an axe to knock down Judah in their pride and their arrogance. But Daniel, in this position, in this place, he remembers, probably remembers the preaching of Jeremiah. He probably remembers the preaching of other true prophets who taught him that God was going to bring judgment. Who taught him that God was going to send Israel far away. And so in his mind, you wonder how this welled up, you wonder how this took place where he made a stand. He realized even in his suffering, even in his grief, even in his trials and his pain, he realized that God was in control. He realized that God had his life. And he gave God his life in the way he knew how. No, I don't want to eat the king's food. I, I'm not going to do it. I resolve here and now. And it's a great strategy for you. It's a great strategy for me. We don't make decisions under pressure. We don't make decisions of right or wrong under duress. We decide beforehand where we're going to go. We decide beforehand how we're going to go. Uh, maybe an illustration of this is maybe you talk to your kids about strategy. You talk to your kids about uh, what, what happens when you go out drinking with people. Not that your kids would. But maybe, maybe you teach them beforehand. You say, maybe one of your resolutions should be that you never get in the car with someone who's drinking. If you wait until the moment at 1 o'clock in the morning, you're probably going to make a bad decision. But if you make your resolution beforehand, the temptation is much less. The temptation is much less when you've decided beforehand. And so Daniel says, whatever happens, I'm sticking with God in this. This defines me as a Hebrew. And, and we, we, we ask the question, why would it define him as a Hebrew? And uh, there, there's several things here. The, the, the Hebrews didn't like the Babylonians' food. It was taboo to them. Horse flesh and pork flesh. Daniel knew that he couldn't eat that stuff. Okay? Or maybe, maybe, the, maybe the way that the, the uh, um, food was prepared... It wasn't kosher. It had to be kosher. It had to be done right. It had to be put together just right. He said, no, it's probably prepared in such a way that it's unclean. Or maybe he knew that the, the food was offered to the Babylonian gods first off. Just like the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians or in Romans. Uh, you know, people, the Jewish Christians were worried, like, what if that food was offered to the local gods, the local spirits, and we eat it? Are we worshiping those gods and spirits? And so maybe Daniel's saying, no, I'm not going to eat it no matter what. I'm standing strong in it. I'm standing, or maybe he's just saying, the king would like to control me, the king would like to own me, and a great sign of that is giving me his food. And so I'm going to say, no, I'm going to eat vegetables. And I bet 99% I bet of their vegetables were broccoli. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Maybe not. 
Actually, the, the Hebrew word there means from the grain, so it could be grains, or, or from the seed, so it could be uh, vegetables or bread, probably, but it was a, it was a healthy diet. And look, look see, see what Daniel's doing. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in a position where I'm going to serve God only. I'm going to keep my conviction no matter what. And then he starts looking for ways forward on how to keep his word. He, he goes to the chief eunuch and he says, hey, can you help me out here? Notice he goes politely. Notice he, he you, know how, you know how you should treat political officials? With respect, politely, treat them with honor. When people are over you, as Christians, man, we, we treat them well, respectfully, because we represent God. So he goes politely and says, hey, can you help me out here? And the guy says, yeah, I'd like to. I, God gave him favor with that man. I'd like to, but I don't want to lose my head. Okay? And he said, and he, so he goes to the servant to that man. And he says, hey, you and I, let's work out something here. <laughs> can, we, can I propose a test to you? Let me eat my food for 10 days. And if I'm not healthier, you don't have to do nothing. But, but let's, let's propose a test here. Let me, let me eat the vegetables and the bread just for 10 days. You keep the, the, the Burger King's food for yourself. Give it to the other. See, we don't know how many other exiles are present. We don't know how other men have been sold into slavery. We don't know how other our youths are going through this. And probably many of them capitulated. Many of them said yes. But Daniel's saying, no, test me in this. Test my friends in this. And so, so 10 days comes, and what happens? Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine, and, and they were given drink, and they were given vegetables. Now we think, uh, uh, how's Daniel looking? He's looking healthier. We think he's probably, he's probably getting skinnier, but no. Healthier in that culture was fatter. Woohoo! So, so in, in, instead, of, instead of like Daniel and his friends gaining weight on the king's food, he gained weight on vegetables which means that the God of sovereignty, the God of providence, the God who's in control, He honored Daniel's desire to honor Him. He honored Daniel's desire to honor Him by overcoming broccoli. <laughs> so to speak. Daniel said, test me this, God... In other words, Daniel's, Daniel's going, and, and, and he's, he's, he's going, he's, he wants to keep his conviction, he's made this resolution, and he's going forward and he's saying, I'm going to trust God with the results. I'm going to keep my conviction, I'm going to keep my, my life in God, I'm going to keep my, my resolution with God, I'm not going to bend, and, but God's going to have to show up, and guess what, God showed up. The real hero of Daniel chapter 1 is not Daniel. It's Yahweh. It's the Lord. It's the one who's in control. He sees a man who is fully committed to him. He sees a, a man, a boy in this case, who, who wants to stay with him and honor him and be true to him. And God says, yes, sir, let's do it. 
As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And, all, and, and the king spoke with them, and among all them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Interesting how they use the Hebrew names there because they stuck in their identity. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every manner of wisdom and understanding that what the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in all this kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And so what the editor is telling us, Daniel is telling us, they stood their ground. They determined to be faithful to God, no matter what the culture said, no matter what the king was, was trying to make them into. You want to make me into Babylonian. I belong to Jesus Christ. I will not be moved. I will not be pushed away. I will not be compromised. And God stepped forth. And he said to them through his actions, here's what I do to faithful people. He made him ten times better than any other student at the school of Nebuchadnezzar. I can't guarantee you that's going to happen in your life. I can't guarantee you that, that if you say yes to God and you, you stick to your convictions that you won't suffer, you won't go through problems, you won't go through trial. But I can guarantee you that sooner or later, God will honor those who honor Him. God will honor those who honor Him. Sooner or later, this life or next, you'll be rewarded for your faithfulness, your conviction, your steadfastness to the gospel in Jesus Christ. Now, there's so much more in this passage. Like the, the whole, I'd, I'd ask you to go home and study, how do you live in a culture that is pagan and stay true to your faith? You see, Daniel did go to work for the king of Babylon, but in an uncompromising way. I'd ask you to go back and study this passage and see how it works. Go deeper with this passage. God will give you the grace and power to even work in the hardest of workplaces and stay true to Jesus Christ. Would you please stand? Lord God Almighty, uh, boy, uh, you, you brought us through a, a busy season, a hard time. Many of us are very tired today. But it's Mother's Day. And we do. We thank you for your grace in our life. We thank you for blessing us in so many ways. We thank you for your love. We, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for all the ways that you've worked in our lives that we haven't seen. Now, Lord God Almighty, we ask in our situations, maybe right now there's people in this room that are under threat and under duress and they don't know how they're going to stand. Maybe they're tempted to walk away from you. Would you show them, Lord, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation that sees, that sees them, that isn't common to man, that you'll provide a way out if they'll stay faithful to you. Lord God Almighty, give us grace to walk in your ways. Give us grace to stay steadfast on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And Lord, where the, wor where the world pushes back, let us trust in you that you have us in your grip of grace. Whatever the world does, you're ahead of them. <laughs> Just as God brought the Israelites back after 70 years, you could restore us in any way you see fit.
if we get suffered and trialed and tribulationed by the world. <laughs> we love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Send us out in the world as your ambassadors and, servant, as, and your servants, Lord, for you are good and you are great. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless. Thank you.